written word. Co-hosted by Meredith May and Sean Tupa, this podcast investigates the integral role that writing plays in our society and examines the unique ways that the written word helps us to gain a greater understanding of the world around us. And now, time for something completely different. We have had people from all sorts of different backgrounds chat with us about different subjects and themes. But today, we wanted to try something a little bit different. We wanted to talk to one of you. We love hearing your thoughts about the podcast, and one response to our very first episode particularly stood out, so we've invited them onto the podcast today. We'd like to welcome Professor Christopher Weaver to the podcast. Christopher is the Writing Program Director at William Patterson University in New Jersey. He's a Turnitin Feedback Studio user and a former 7 to 12 English teacher. We'll be discussing his thoughts about the challenges he has faced while trying to teach writing and how he has overcome them. Thanks for joining us, Christopher. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're very excited to have you. Yeah. I'm going to jump right in. Go right into it. As usual, right? Yes, Just jump. jump in right in. Christopher, I just was interested in hearing a little bit more about your background. How long have you been teaching and what do you teach? Well, I've been, I've been teaching now in, in one way or another since I left college. So that's actually a little over 30 years. Um, as you said, I taught in public school for two years, and then my job disappeared out from under me. So I went back to graduate school, and I, I thought I wanted to go back to uh, you know, specialize in literature, but I found myself, to my surprise, actually, really interested in the study of writing and how writing works and how to teach writing. Uh, at William Patterson, I mostly teach writing courses and help other people to teach writing, but I also teach courses in contemporary American literature and Native American literature and also film and literature. Chris, we, we, we reached out to you because you sent us a thoughtful response to your reaction to the first episode. How did you learn about the written word and what did you think about it? Your honest thoughts. I, I, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Thank a, you. I'm a big consumer of podcasts in general because I live in Massachusetts and I commute down to New Jersey twice a week. So that's about three or four hours each way that I'm in my car. So I am always yeah. searching for interesting podcasts. And I'm a, a longtime Turnitin user, so when I found this podcast, it caught my attention. And so I listened to that first episode, the conversation with Patty West Smith about teaching mm -hmm. writing, which I found really provocative. And so I sent you guys an email, and then a little bit later, I found this email waiting in my inbox, and it started this conversation. And you know, we're people who otherwise we don't know each other, and we live on different coasts, so it's pretty cool. I don't I don't think we emphasize that enough in school how what is really powerful about writing is when it starts a conversation. So I love uh, I love the podcast because it's this conversation about writing and teaching, and I'm super excited to be a part of that conversation. Great. Yeah. yeah anything in particular that you thought was provocative about that episode? Sure. Well, I, I have to, first of all, so there, were, there are things that I disagreed with which, um, you know, uh, inspired me to write you. Mm -hmm. But there was yeah. an awful lot that I thought was really interesting and useful. So to give you one example, when Patty West Smith talked about, you asked her what, and, and I think we're going to talk here today about mm -hmm. good writing and what good writing is. And I, I actually was very intrigued by her answer. She kind of wanted to redefine that. And she, she instead of talking about good writing, she wanted to talk about effective writing. 
that's a very subtle difference, but I think in teaching, it's a, it's a super important one because to talk about good writing suggests that what we, what we care about is what writing looks like. And if that's what we care about, then that's going to drive our teaching. We're going to try to help. We're going to try to find uh, pieces of writing and, and, and work with our students to identify what's good about those pieces of writing. And if, we, if you look at writing that way, you end up trying to, to help students reproduce features of good writing. And I think a lot of textbooks, probably most writing textbooks, follow that model. And they say, well, you know, a good writing has an introduction. And, Good writing has a conclusion and has paragraphs with topic sentences and examples in a certain sequence. And so we, we, we design our, our writing programs around students reproducing models of writing. But that's not what she wanted to do, I think. And she talked about not what writing looks like, but what writing does. And, and I think that's if you're talking about effective writing, effective at what, that kind of changes the question. So instead of sort of saying, well, here are different kinds of essays. Here's what a narrative essay should like, look like. Here's what a persuasive essay should look like. And that's what a lot of writing programs and writing textbooks do. But instead, if you ask different questions, right? Like, what, what are you trying to do with your writing? Who are you trying to speak to? What kind of a interaction are you trying to have with the reader? Those are difficult questions. They're messier than what does a persuasive essay look like, but they're a lot more interesting. Writing really is messy, or at least good writing is messy. And I think in school, we're too afraid of making a mess. So I really appreciated what Patty West Smith said about we should be focusing on what writing does, mm -hmm. not what writing looks like. Yeah. So that's that was intriguing to me. But then she said the thing that 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 really provoked me to write to you. She was talking about giving students feedback. That one of the most important things we do for students is we give them feedback to their writing. And I think that's absolutely right, right? I mean, writing is this act, action between a writer and a reader. And so writers need readers. But what, what worried me is when she started talking about what good feedback was, and she used the word actionable feedback, that, that good feedback needs to be actionable. And what that seemed to me to mean is that it's not enough to be a reader for a writer. It's not enough to explain how we react. What we need to do is tell them something that's going to help them make their writing better. And that concerns me because it suggests that we are creep, in spite of our best efforts, we creep back towards this model of writing as this product. And we make it sound like a student's job is to reproduce that product the way we want the product to look like. So, you know, if we say to a student, hey, Cindy, nice job of constructing a thesis here, but you need to clarify your first claim by including another example. We're making the writing process this sort of um, thing about what we want the writing to look like. And it, it, it becomes getting the students to write what we want them to write. And I, I think that's a really dangerous 
impoverishment of what writing should be in school. It's no longer talking about the possibilities of what writing can do. And it becomes, yeah, we just want to make the writing better according to our fairly narrow def definition of what better means. That's really interesting, Chris. And and to clarify, are you saying that the writer is not necessarily beholden to the writer's audience? That um, that the audience could be a limitation to the writer? Well, there's writing in school, right? There's the kind of model that we make writing into in school, and then there's writing outside of school. It's a really interesting question, and, and it's one that I talk about with students and one that I experience in my life. I always feel that the act of writing is this tension between my needs and desires as a writer and my audience's needs and desires. And I sometimes want to push back against my, my readers and say, no, it's not about you, this is about me, I'm writing what I want. And then there's sometimes when the, the pull of those readers is strong, either because they've got something I want, like they're a journal that I need to publish for, or because they're right, right? Sometimes I don't like what the readers are saying, but those readers turn out to have something that I haven't discovered yet. So I, I, I think it's not one or the other. I think in a real writing situation, I think what writers need to do is, on the one hand, assert their needs, right? This is why I'm writing. This is what I want to do. But I think most writers, you know, they do want readers to react. So that's a complicated dance that readers and writers do. And I think it's a fascinating thing to talk about and work out with students. But I think we shortcut that dance. Mm -hmm. We shortcut that tension by just saying, no, here's what you need to do. Now let me help you do it. Really, there is no writer in these you know, writing tasks. There, there's just, here's the form. My job is to teach you the form. Your job is to find content and pour it into this form. And really the content is not actually important. So I think most students and teachers have been in the situation where they've, they're they reproducing this school form called the persuasive essay, which really only exists in schools. Like it doesn't exist anywhere else, but you know, so we're teaching them how to write about a topic of their choice. And, and often teachers will tell students, well, I don't care what side you take. I just care about how well you argue. And nowhere in the world outside of an English classroom is that true. Hmm. In the world, what you say matters. Yep. Yeah. What side you take matters. But we've turned this act of writing into this exercise where it's only form that counts. It's not thinking, it's not content. I mean, you're, you're starting to touch upon this. How do you approach this as a teacher? Support it with within classroom instruction, but also look at a piece of work objectively. I guess I think we need to look at that word objective and what it means, okay. right? Because I think there isn't any objectivity, right? R writing is is not, I mean, that's that's my objection to teaching mm -hmm. writing as, as a model, as forms that we're trying to reproduce, because we, we are implying at least that there's, there's something called an objectively good persuasive essay or an objectively good narrative that has some sort of universal qualities to it. And I guess what I'm saying is that real writing is always situated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there's nothing objective about that situation. 
So my question would be, well, what pushes us to think about writing as objective anyway, or what, what moves us towards teaching or acting as though there's something that we should look at writing objectively? And I think it's that subjectivity is, is really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it's particularly uncomfortable from, for a teacher because it unsettles our authority. Because if there's something that's objectively good writing and we know what it is, then we can say to students, look, I know what a good essay is. I know what a good form of writing is. And I'm going to help you get there by showing it to you and by correcting your writing until it looks as much as possible like this objective model of good writing. And I don't think that's a good way to teach, but I understand it, you know, it's a comfortable way because it, it situates us in our knowledge and we can comfortably say, I know what good writing is and I know how to help you. I think the reality is nothing like that though, right? If we were to admit that writing was subjective, we'd have to grapple with much harder questions, right? Mm-hmm. We'd have to say, well, why do you want to write? What is it that you want to write? Who do you want to write to? What if you don't want to write anything? What if you say, I hate writing and I don't have anything to say? And really, that's a, that's much closer to the reality that many of our students are facing. But those are really uncomfortable questions. It's tough to grapple with those questions. It's a lot easier to say, let me show you how to write a persuasive essay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, actually, I mean, in asking more about that discomfort and I'm not trying to throw you a curveball here, Chris, but trying to, <laughs> but trying to anticipate the questions that our audience might have. I mean, without that objective authority that a teacher has, from what standing does a teacher have to crit- criticize or to help the students? I, I listen. I, I'm, I'm not pretending that in criticizing this old model of writing, I have the answer mm-hmm. that I'm here to lead you to that truth. These are these are difficult questions, uh, particularly in a school setting where authority is, is a charged issue, mm-hmm. right? We try to motivate students with, with, with grades, for instance. And, you know, the fact is that I think most teachers in both secondary schools and colleges, we have to give grades. So that's not a position that we can just abdicate. So, yeah, that's, that's difficult. But I really think we're better off facing that difficulty and and trying to find solutions. So, you know, to to give you an example, well, what would teachers do if they weren't, if they didn't have a semester planned out where they were teaching students different kinds of essays and how to reproduce them? Well, you know, here's, uh, let me tell you one thing that I've done in my own writing classes, and I'm not saying that it's revolutionized the game, but it's helped me, I think that we might not just ask students what kinds of writing projects they want to do, but I think we might insist on it. Hmm. In other words, yeah. instead of me saying that this uh, semester will be structured around you completing my assignments, I think that there are, there's an awful lot of space in our classrooms to say to students, you need to devise your own writing project. That's, that's, going to be, that's going to meet some kinds of needs that you have. 
And you need to kind of negotiate that writing project with me. And when I say negotiate, I don't mean that uh, it's got to be it's got to be close to what I want you to do. You know, so I don't mean, well, I'm going to give you a persuasive essay, but you'll get to choose the topic. Right. I don't I don't mean fake negotiation. I mean, real negotiation. And that negotiation wouldn't be around what I wanted the student to do, but it might be around, well, convince me why this is an interesting project for you or convince me that this might be interesting for me to read or convince me that this project is something that you could actually begin to accomplish in the, in the time that we had. And then our writing, and, and, and do this in writing too, right? Like mm -hmm. email to me or, or write a proposal. And then the writing becomes this sort of dialogue about and I might be skeptical. I might say, well, that just sounds like the essay that you wrote last year. Hmm. Are you really attached to that idea? And, you know, it gives us a chance to, to work out what that writing project might look like. And if, you know, if you're a teacher and you're worried that this is going to lead to 100 pages of journal writing over a semester, rather than some other forms of writing. Well, number one, I don't know why we should be so scared of 100 pages of journal writing. To me, 100 pages of real journal writing where students are doing really interesting things are worth way more than a compare and a contrast essay or a persuasive essay. But letting that go, if, if you're a teacher and you're mandated by your curriculum to have sort of more than that, well, then you might say to the students over the course of our semester, whatever writing projects you come up with are going to have to, you know, they can't all be the same thing. We're going to have to work out together some some variety in, in responses. So, I mean, I think that's a way of um, not just handing authority over to students, but insisting on students not just copying our forms, but working out what kinds of things writing can do. I think there are lots of other, I mean, that's just, that's one of the things that's I think been useful for me. And I will tell you that having done that assignment with my students, it is much, much more fun to read those pieces of writing. They are much more alive. Mm -hmm. They may be just as messy and problematic as, as other kinds of writing, but there's a vitality and, a, and an authenticity to them that these other um, modes of writing that I asked, to, asked them to do before that don't have. Yeah. It makes sense. And it seems like it would be it would be an insightful way to look into the individual, not only in terms of what areas of interest they have, but also yeah. kind of like where they want to go, not only in their academic journey, well, but their own. And I, and I think that's the real problem is I think that, um, you know, I teach college freshmen and, mm -hmm. uh, and I know it's very easy for every teacher to blame the preparation of the students in the grades below them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to resist that impulse because I've had people do it to me. But, you know, one of the things that students just have a terrible time answer is, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. what, what is it that you want from this piece of writing? They've not been asked to think about those questions before. So, right, just getting them to figure some of those things out for themselves seems to me tremendously in, important. Well, it, it demands engagement from right. them, which I've heard so many times is one of the main problems with getting them to, to write is to have them engaged in the writing. Mm -hmm. Well, look at it from their point of view. Why should they be engaged in writing? Writing is something, I mean, some of them are good at it and some of them are, are less so. But 
Students, most students associate writing almost entirely with school. They haven't done very much writing outside of school. That's not true for everybody, but it's true for an awful lot of people. And most of them have only done writing in school for one particular purpose, and that's to be evaluated. That's to be graded. So why should they be engaged in something that is not for them? I mean, we tell them it's good for them. We tell them it will help them get a job. Uh, but, you know, that's a little bit like saying, eat your rotten vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Why should they be interested in something that it has been done entirely for somebody else rather than for them? So we need to create more opportunities in, in school and outside to have students use writing for some kind of purpose other than to please somebody else. Makes sense. So speaking of opportunities outside of the classroom or outside of school, I wanted to get your thoughts on um, what are some of the alternative places that students can look for writing guidance and inspiration? Yeah, that's a great question and one that in some ways I think teachers are very poorly situated to answer. I know places that I have found guidance and inspiration, but they're very unlikely to be places that my students would find. I mean, my, my tastes and my interests are just really different than my students. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's true of most teachers. So I think we're, we're all, you know, we try to point out interesting places, but you know, our students kind of roll their eyes at us. Um, on the other hand, I mean, that's sort of the bad news, but I think the good news is that I think that we can make the writing classroom a place where we can give students both guidance and inspiration, just because I don't think we ought to guide students to the features of a persuasive essay. And I'm hard on the persuasive essay, but I think it's one of the most useless forms of school writing that we ask students to do. Um, but you know, instead, what if we cared about what students said? Right? What if we cared about their ideas and how they expressed them? What if we allowed them to do writing that was important to them? And then we reacted not as evaluators, right? Not as, you know, well, that's a really lovely idea. Now you just need a better thesis sentence, right? What if we responded to the content of what they said? Or what if we didn't try to turn their forms into our forms? I mean, I think it is possible to respond as, and I think we need to retrain ourselves to really respond as, as, as readers. There's, there's nothing more inspirational, I think, than to have somebody read your writing and take it seriously. Not try to fix it, not try to make it what we want to make it, but to really take it seriously. And, and I think if we do that, then students might be interested in what we have to say to them. I, I would imagine. Is it possible that some of these places can be in the community? And, and how, do you, how important do you think that community is for, for helping students to create good writing? I mean, I think the only reason anyone ever wrote anything any good is because they had a, a community to speak to. But um, I, I'm just going to have to admit, I, I've... I've not been great at figuring out how to do that in my, in my classroom. Like I, I, I agree in the abstract that the, the classroom community, if we really treat the classroom of, uh, as a community of writers, it, it can be really helpful to students. 
but there is a, a certain artificiality to writing in the classroom and students often, uh, you know, students, their, their real communities are outside of the classroom. And I wish that I had found, I mean, there are people other than, than, than me who have, who are really successful at getting their students to write to others outside of the community at different groups outside of the community. And I think that's wonderful. I've, I've not quite figured that out in my own classroom. I think that certainly most students' communities these days, or, well, I don't want to make a generalization about people who are a lot younger than I am. It seems to me, as, uh, as somebody who's older, that the many important communities for students are online. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so going online is, I think, a way to find conversations that are going on and to become part of those conversations. I, I think one answer to the question is to have students blog, right? Because mm-hmm. blogging, blogging creates this kind of community. Like a blog is, and it, and, it, and it also does the things that I've been talking about that writing should do, right? The thing about a blog is it's not a finished product. And I think we focus way too much on finished products, but a blog is an ongoing conversation. And if it's a really good blog, the writer's thoughts evolve over time. And we can see that as they as they refine their ideas and they and they interact with other people. So I, I think those forms of online communities are promising, but of course they're also problematic because mm-hmm. we know a lot of online communities are fairly shallow and some of them are, you know, just sort of downright ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one last thing that I kind of wanted to touch upon, and, and this is just because I've seen that you've co-edited a book about writing in online classes, and I just had a, a question that was that was, that was on the tip of my tongue, so I just wanted to get it out there. What are some of the things about teaching online that might help address some of the problems that you just spoke to? Yeah, well, you know, thank you for the opportunity to plug my book. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's, it's something that I, I co-edited with Phoebe Jackson, and it's just come out, and I'm, I'm really proud of it. And one of the things that I that I really love about the book is that it's got chapters from people in, from teachers in disciplines other than English. So there are a lot of teachers in, in there who are interested in how writing can help their students learn their subject matter. And they're not, because they're not English teachers, many of them, they're not primarily focused on teaching students good writing. They're interested in what writing can do to help their students learn in their disciplines. So that's really kind of interesting to me because sometimes the best ideas from writing come outside of English departments. We sometimes are so focused on teaching students good writing that we lose track of what writing can do to help students discover things and learn. But what I really think is useful about the online environment is that I I really do think it provides, or it can provide, an environment that sort of highlights the the roles for writing that I've been talking about that don't come up in a face-to-face classroom. So for example, most online writing course platforms have discussion boards and uh, you know just that word, discussion, right? We're using writing to enter a conversation. So teachers might pose a question or start a conversation and students can respond and then they can respond to each other and it's just like this really basic idea of writing as a conversation, of writing as dialogue. And, you know, as I said before, 
that's how I wound up on this podcast, right? Mm. Is I wrote something, uh, I heard something interesting, and I responded to it, and then you wrote back. And that that's the most powerful thing that writing can do. And if you look at, you know, was that good writing? Well, I'm sure if you look at the email that I originally sent, no one's going to put that email in a textbook and say, well, this is good writing, you know, do this. You know, so it's not what it looked like, but it's what it does. And, and I think that online courses can provide this space where writing, writing is how the course happens. You know, it's not the product that you produce to be evaluated, or at least it's not just that product. It's how business gets done. It's how discussions get done. And yet writing does something in dialogue that can't be done in speech. Because we can talk back and forth in speech, but when we when we talk in writing, then the writing holds still, and we can mm -hmm. think about, it, and we can come back to it, and we can play off of it. So really, I think in in some ways, online writing provides this space where writing shifts what it is. It's a it's a product. It's something permanent, but it's also like blogs, something that shifts and evolves. And I think if teachers can figure out a way to make use of that space, then then writing can do really interesting things online that it maybe doesn't do as well in a face-to-face -face classroom. But we've got to use the space that way. When people went online, the first thing that a lot of textbook companies wanted to do is say, oh, you're online now? Let's provide a link to a handbook. So now instead of instead of having to write sentence fragment on 12 different papers, now you can just provide this link and it'll take you to the handbook and it'll tell you how to fix the sentence fragment. So really, we were basically marrying the worst impulses of face to face on paper writing with the online environment rather than using the online environment to make writing into more of an activity rather than a product. Mm -hmm. But I think we are getting away from that. We are beginning to find out the ways that online spaces can open up writing to be more uh, exploratory, more dialogic, and, and less of a thing that has to be evaluated. Well, great. Yeah, that's fantastic. I am going to get my copy very soon. Actually. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I was also I love the quote about writing as business, and then yeah. I immediately thought, can we get like the Bachman Turner Overdrive taking care of business to do a cover? Yeah. Yeah. Christopher, thank you so much for, thank you. for joining thank you us. This was this was actually this will show you how much of a geek I am, but this was a thrill. The written word is sponsored by Turn It In. It's hosted by Meredith May and Sean Tupo. This episode was written by Peter Kerr and Amanda Zellig's hand. Produced by Sam Swink. Creative direction by Sebastian Caceres. Illustrations by Lydia Ortiz. Music by Gianni Izzo. Many thanks to our special guest, Professor Christopher Weaver. 